So tonight I'd like to continue exploring the uh, theme of uh, no self. Uh, as uh, Annie was doing on Monday evening. Uh, and I'd like to go by a different route uh, and talk about the five aggregates. Um, so, how to start this whole thing tonight? Until we come to uh, Buddhist practice, I think we never uh, have this notion of self uh, being questioned. We, uh, we've heard and we know it's in, it's in our mind and almost in our bones, this uh, I think, therefore I am. And then we land in a retreat center or somebody gives us a book and then we find out that uh, I think means uh, there is a certain amount of delusion going on. That I think means only that thinking is happening. And, uh, and that's kind of a surprise. And uh, it can be uh, off-putting, offsetting, or it can be very interesting and make... Uh, the mind curious, which is a good thing for investigation to follow. Um, the problem with the whole thing about self is that, or one way to present the problem anyway, is that when there is self, it means that there is also other or not self, not in this Buddhist sense, but in the sense that uh, there is me and the world. And this is, although it's kind of vi viable, it's possible to make it work, it's kind of, uh, there's friction in there. It means there is a lot of uh, strategizing that I have to go on, a lot of uh, acquiring, manipulating, controlling, a lot of uh, stress, yeah. And so when there is this uh, need to uh, get or get rid of, if it's mine and I don't want it, I have to get rid of it. If it's not mine and I want it, I have to acquire it. So it's, it's very much, uh, this view of self is very much a defilement building. It means that uh, defilements are what uh, are obstructing um, a wholesome way uh, for the mind to function. And so this view builds, uh, nourishes, encourages the difficult states of mind. And what I find fascinating also is not only uh, does this view create and, 
nourish greed and hatred and uh, aversion and uh, all these difficult emotions. Not only does it nourish it, but they, in turn, nourish the idea of self. So these defilements uh, in their uh, latent form, when they're hiding, uh, they're not like uh, active in our mind and hearts. Uh, they might be uh, kind of lurking and uh, using our senses to uh, to change the perception of things. So, what I find sometimes is my eyes are not just there to see; they're kind of radar to find what is pleasurable, what could be mine, uh, what I don't like. So that's this vicious circle that we find ourselves in. So self uh, invites defilements, defilements invite or help solidify the sense of self, me against the world, mostly. So to break this view of self, there's one uh, method that is um, very potent. So much so that you might know that uh, when the Buddha gave his first discourse, or the way it's recorded, it appears as, as such anyway, uh, he talked about the Four Noble Truths, known to be very much uh, a pith, teaching in, the, in the Buddhism. And so there, he, talk, he told this to his five of his uh, old friends that he was practicing with, and only one got it. Condonia, I think his name was. And then uh, he gave a second discourse, and the second discourse was on the five aggregates. And then uh, they all got it. So that's just to invite you to really take a good uh, listen well tonight, because <laughs> I don't have the same power of <laughs> as uh, the venerable Buddha had, but the teaching is powerful in itself. Um, not only was it the second discourse, but it was also uh, repeatedly uh, offered to uh, lay people and monks and uh, nuns. Actually, there's more, of two more than 200 discourses uh, recorded on the five aggregates. What I personally like about them, and that's, I could say, I think that's the thing that I've worked the most with over the years, the kind of frame of reference I've used the most to practice. And uh, so the thing that is uh, so good about this, uh, these five aggregates is that it's very applicable. Not only is it very applicable, it's meant to be applicable. Last week, I think I mentioned briefly the four foundations of mindfulness. 
four ways or things on which we can direct our attention to uh, bring freedom um, and understanding. And the, in this, uh, the fourth foundation is called Damas. Damas is a, a groups of things that we can uh, use uh, to develop wisdom. So the five aggregates is one of them. And I think I mentioned at that point that uh, last week that the way I see uh, these Dhamma that can be uh, uh, taken on for practice is as if we were putting on specific glasses, the Four Noble Truth glasses, uh, or the Five Aggregate glasses. So that's kind of the invitation uh, tonight is to explore how uh, can one take in their practice uh, the Five Aggregates as a way to experience uh, what it is to be a human being, the subjective experience of uh, being here from moment to moment. Uh, one thing also to point out that uh, is uh, in the description, in the first noble truth, the description of suffering We've all heard this little uh, kind of short paragraph, uh, very powerful. I'll read it again. Take a really close attention to the very end of this uh, when I get to the end here. So it's the description of uh, dukkha. So the noble truth of uh, suffering, monks, is this. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Sickness is suffering. Death is suffering. Association with the unpleasant is suffering. Dissociation from the pleasant is suffering. Not to receive what one uh, desire is suffering. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are suffering. So the five aggregate uh, subject to clinging, are suffering. So that's the, the briefest version of suffering is the five aggregates. In the first noble truth, there's a description of suffering. We could equate it to the five aggregates. In the second noble truth, it talks about clinging. And clinging if we have put on the glasses of the five aggregates, clinging can only happen uh, in this domain of the five aggregates. If there is clinging, it is in the five aggregates. It's not nowhere else is there clinging possible. So it's valid for the first noble truth, valid for the second, and valid for the third, because uh, if we let go of clinging, it means we'll let go of the five aggregates. And we could even say that the fourth noble truth of the path is a thorough experiential understanding of these aggregates. The word aggregate, skanda or kanda, uh, can be translated by the words heap, lump, bundle. Groups of uh, things, 
So I'll name them uh, maybe quickly again. Uh, I say again because you, most of you have heard them uh, before. So the uh, first one is form. The second one is feeling, Vedana, feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Third one is perception or recognition. Fourth one is uh, mental formation, or more specifically, intentions. And then the fifth is consciousness. Why are they, are they suffering? I made a little list here. Because these five lumps... It's not one thing, huh? it's groups of things. It's a way to divide our experience. That's what it is, the five aggregates. We could, it's kind of arbitrary. It's not like they really exist as such. There's no substances there. It's just a grouping of different dynamic uh, things. I often think of, of them more in terms of uh, rivers, as if there was the experience of being Pascal, Lee, Alexa, is, uh, is an experience of five constant rivers of stuff going down, passing through. Yeah. Um, and so they're not uh, one thing, but many things changing all the time. Yeah. And so these... Uh, are suffering because uh, they cannot be made to conform to uh, our desires. Attachment to them leads to uh, sorrow, grief, and despair because they change. And their change uh, is known to induce fear and anxiety. And they cannot provide something very basic that we think we need. Stability, security. So remember, there's nothing outside of our experience than these five aggregates. And they cannot uh, bring security or stability. It's true that they do give pleasure at moments. Yeah? It's important to recognize this. There is gratification possible in them. Uh, but they pass again. And so it means that the pleasure that they provide is only uh, uh, mom momentarily. Also, they're suffering because we kind of think that we're in control of them. But when we start looking very closely, what we find out is that mostly they're kind of uh, devouring us or obsess, uh, obsessing us or we're obsessed by them, I think I should say. 
there's an obsession with them. So being obsessed is, is not the best situation to find ourselves in. There's a way out of this mess, by the way. Just hang out. So in one of the sutras, it is said this, to identify with them and seek fulfillment from them is like someone who employs as his servant, listen to this, it's pretty shocking. So to identify with them and seek fulfillment from them is like someone who employs as his servant a vicious murderer out to take his life. Very strong image, huh? So the instructions, uh, what are the instructions to work with them? In a way, it's very simple. It's to learn to recognize them, to learn about these five rivers uh, and understand it intellectually as much as possible, but that's, there's a limit in that of what the mind can do with understanding the five aggregates in an intellectual way. Then understanding their, them directly, experientially, as they appear and disappear in experience. So the first thing is to learn to recognize them in action. And then the second instruction is to see them arise and pass. Arise and pass. And these two parts of the instruction together will lead to a disidentification from them, which is the source of the suffering. Identification and appropriation. Identification is, this is me. And appropriation is, this is mine. And so that, the study of this, the experience of this, on and on again, the investigation of this, will loosen up this false perception of uh, the possibility of owning, being, uh, containing, being contained in uh, these. To understand what they are, uh, each one of them sp uh, specifically, uh, there's a, a set of simile that is uh, uh, kind of beautiful, kind of poetic in a way, but also extremely accurate in its description of the, uh, these uh, aggregates. Uh, so when it comes to form, which is, form is, uh, the quick version of this is what is, um, what is um, touched by heat and cold, what is uh, touched by mosquitoes and snakes, this is what is described as form. So it's the materiality, uh, the physicality of, uh, of our experience, the four elements. So the image that is used is uh, the image of foam. So it was compared to uh, foam by the Buddha. And so I find this uh, a really perfect image because in experience, although the body uh, looks solid, in experience we know very well that it's, it's much more uh, closer to foam and uh, 
empty, insubstantial, like foam. You have a, it's a massive little bubble that bursts and other bubble that collects and, uh, you know, the foam at the bottom of a, of a waterfall, for example. And so, uh, also it removes, uh, just the image already removes uh, the desire to identify with this. Like, do I really want to identify with foam? You know? Uh, so, uh, what I find amazing is that this image came 2,500 years ago when there was no microscope, no uh, ways to look very closely at uh, matter. But the Buddha already knew that there was nothing in there, mostly uh, space in there, mostly empty stuff. So, the second uh, aggregate is uh, Vedana, or the feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, uh, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And the image that is used um, is of a bubble or bubbles. And I find this image uh, also very good because if we put our attention only on the succession of feeling tones in our experience. So the feeling tone is just this aspect of experience. Uh, we could call it the juice of uh, being alive. When there is a contact uh, between the ear and the sound, so there's the actual vibration that would be formed. Like now I'm speaking, you're hearing, hopefully. So the voice that you hear, the vibration of it, this is form, this is materiality. There's some vibration going on in the ear. With this will come a feeling tone of pleasant or unpleasant, or sometimes it's not apparent because it's neutral. So it might come from, the feeling tone might come from the actual vibration. The guy is speaking too loud. It's unpleasant. Or it's too low. We can't hear. I have to force. It's, ple it's unpleasant. Or it's just the right tone. So, or it's a beautiful, beautiful voice of Pascal. And it's known as pleasant. <laughs> So it's interesting because you can see right there that this is not inherent in the object. Some people will have one experience of pleasant, other another experience. It's very, it's not in the object that the pleasantness resides, but it's there with any experience. Maybe it's not at the you don't experience it at the level of the vibration, but maybe at the level another level, maybe more uh, at the mind level, you don't like what is being said. You, what is being said uh, is unpleasant to hear, or it's pleasant to hear. Yeah. So this is happening. And this, if we take a, we're very attentive to this, we'll see that ple ple uh, feeling tone changes all the time. So it's pleasant, I hear something pleasant, so suddenly something is said, or a sensation in the body comes, and then it goes from pleasant to unpleasant very, very quickly, and then back to pleasant, 
So if we were to track in our experience only uh, the feeling tone, we would see that it, it's several moments uh, and it's very unreliable. As unreliable and as unstable as a bubble. I like the image of the bubble also because uh, sometimes we make a big thing of things being pleasant or unpleasant. It's like we make this big bubble, you know, it's unpleasant, I didn't like this, it was so unpleasant, or I want this again, it was so pleasant, this is what I want, either in sitting or in what's coming in the future. Or we make a big uh, thing out of it. So we have an emotion, it's felt as unpleasant, and it triggers a lot inside of us because it's, un and then suddenly, like a bubble, it's gone. I don't care. I love you. It's fine. And the bubble is completely gone. So this uh, image, uh, I think, is very accurate. Another uh, image is for perception. Perception is only uh, the recognition. It's kind of, uh, it's based on memory. So when, for example, I'm uh, talking here, to use the same example again, so there's the vibrations, there's the feeling tone that keeps changing in intensity maybe. And then there is also a recognition. This can happen at many levels. So while I'm talking, you know that somebody's talking. You know that it's a male voice. You might know that it's Pascal. You don't have to think about these things, but they present, they organize, uh, they make distinction between, they know it's sound and not sight. They know it's man and not woman. Yeah. So that's what perception uh, does. It's constantly happening. So all these aggregates that we're looking at right now, all these rivers of things happening, are incessantly happening. They're uh, relentless. They're part of what it is to be a human being. So the image used for perception is a mirage. So uh, perception, for example, the classic example is uh, so a person is in the forest uh, at night or in their kuti. That's kind of a classic. I don't know how many times I've heard this one. And then they see a snake. And then on closer uh, observation or with patient uh, not moving, and uh, they what appears is that there's not a snake that is there, it's a rope. Huh? This is the classic, uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, is it the opposite? You see the rope? No. You see the snake and then it turns out that it's a rope. So you see this is like a misperception. So when we go about our lives, we are the reality that we take to be, or what we take to be the reality, is actually a lot of misperceptions. 
due to the lack of attention and investigation and uh, the conditioning of what we were told that things were. So when there is not so much attention uh, and wisdom, our perception are slightly off. So some of the classic uh, misperceptions that we have is that we see things as solid when they're not. Until we start to meditate, we think, yeah, the body is a solid thing. And then when we start to being uh, very attentive, we see that what we call hand is actually a succession of sensations, sometimes warm, sometimes cold, tingling, vibration, tension, expansion, movement. Yeah. So there is a misperception of solidity. There's a misperception also maybe of uh, the capacity that anything has to satisfy. We may think that something might bring us uh, great satisfaction, enduring satisfaction in our lives. And because we haven't looked closely that everything is constantly falling apart and reappearing uh, in a similar way maybe, that things are falling constantly, that they cannot provide satisfaction. So that's another misperception that we have. These are due to, uh, well, several things. Concepts, for example, the, we use concepts in, uh, in our conventional reality. And these concepts, they, 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 they're named, so they make things appear solid as they, uh, when they are not. Another thing that uh, makes things blurry for us is uh, the similarity from one moment to the next. Although each experience is constantly new in consciousness, it's at, it um, has a lot of similarity often. So now the way uh, the pressure that you feel in your feet, I always come back to this, it's fascinating for me that there's similarity from one moment to the next in the level of heat, kind of tingling, the pressure, the type of pressure that is there. And because it's very similar from one moment to the next, it gives us the, the impression that it's one thing when it's not. But the good thing with perception is that when we bring our mindfulness uh, to perception, it's going to get more and more refined. And instead of playing against us, showing us things as they are not, as a mirage, mirage, they will start to show us things as they are. Uh, and so, in the same way that from a distance I see a branch in the path, and when I get closer, I see that it's actually a little highway of ants. And then when I get closer, I see that an ant is not just a little dot, but few dots with little legs. Uh, 
yeah? It gets more and more precise with the refining of attention. Our perceptions are getting more and more refined. So we see that uh, what we think is my boring breath is actually a succession of very uh, unique little things. Or that one, if the attention gets very uh, uh, refined, we'll see that the rising of the abdomen is actually not one rising, but several little moments of rising. Yeah? My pain in the lower back is not a one thing. It's something that is turning, radiating, pulsating, appearing and disappearing. Although it seems to be always there, when my attention is very uh, refined, I see that uh, at some point I'm with my pain, there's my pain, and for a split second I think that I forgot uh, something in my yogi job. And then it lasts maybe a second, it's a flash, an image. God, didn't put this there at the end of... And then suddenly the, the back ache appears again. And then there's an insight. Oh my God, in that second, there was no pain in the back. My mind makes it even. Yeah, pain in the back, I've had it for two hours. But in actual experience, there can be this liberating moment that sees it was actually not there for a second. So that's the refinement uh, of attention. And when we start poking holes in these things, it's very empowering. We see that it's not permanent. Same thing with my impatience. I might see for a second that it disappears. Oh, so it's not so solid. So it's very empowering to make these discoveries. Yeah? So another image that is used uh, for uh, mental formation. Mental formation is kind of everything else that happens uh, outside of what is material, what is the feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and what is the perception or recognition of things. So in a way we could say that the feeling tone is how I'm affected by, uh, by uh, a sound. Uh, anything that arises in seen, heard, tasted. The feeling tone is what it does to uh, this being on this side of the experience. The perception is how we recognize the object to be. Ah, this is rice, taste of rice. Yeah? And the mental formation are uh, the outcome of this contact between uh, the sound and, uh, and, uh, and the ear, or uh, a taste and the taste buds. So maybe the response, we could say. So whatever is, uh, we enter in contact with, when the eyes see something, there is automatically a feeling tone, automatically some kind of perception, and also it comes with uh, some mental formation. To get more specific, we would talk about intentions here. 
So this is how I'm going to relate to this thing, what I'm going to do about this thing. So, for example, if I go back to um, you hearing now, so there's the vibration, the feeling tone, the perception of words being spoken, ideas, these ideas being presented. And there is also, presently now, intention that is present. An intention to listen, an intention to think about something else, and some kind of intention is there. Even the intention to keep the back straight, so this is constantly going on, succession of intentions. Yeah. The image that is used is uh, of a banana tree trunk. Again, uh, I find very, very, uh, uh, so right on this choice of image. Because you see our mental formation, the thoughts that we have about something. So there's something that is uh, heard or touch sensation somewhere, and then it triggers a whole thing. Oh, uh, this hip, I have to do something about this hip. It's been, it was like this two years ago. I wonder, maybe I shouldn't sit like this. I should, maybe I should try to go online and order some kind of special bench, whatever happens. So here's a big construction. This is the, the banana, uh, uh, the whole tree, basically. Why is this image used? Uh, you might know why, because the banana or plantain tree trunk is hollow. There's nothing to it. It looks like a tree. It looks like a big construction, but there's nothing to it. This is our, the mental realm we live in. We create all these realities. Me and the world, and what happened to me, and what I will do this afternoon, and what I will do in two minutes, and what I want to achieve here. And all these are beautiful, complicated, constructions. But uh, as soon as they have bare their fruits, like the banana uh, tree, it just falls flat on the floor and it's gone. So there's nothing to it, it's empty. And the last of the aggregates is the aggregate of consciousness. So the aggregate of consciousness is uh, the image that is used is uh, uh, the image of a magician or a, mag a magic uh, show. Why is that? Because the consciousness is what consciousness is what is uh, knows the simple, the most basic quality of the mind is to know. Not even to make something of, but just to receive experience. So consciousness is what knows form, knows the sensations in the body, knows vibration, experiences it. It's also what knows pleasantness, unpleasantness, the feeling tone, and it knows the perception. So when there is a sound, and there's a recognition of a heater, for example. This is known. So this is consciousness that does this, just receives the experience of perception. And it also, consciousness knows the in, intending. It knows what it is to want to step forward and to step forward. 
in the walking meditation. And so it brings all these other aggregates together and make it look, appear as me. I am seeing, I am thinking, I have an opinion. I'm reaching for my glass, I'm tasting uh, my tea. Yeah? So this is what it does, it puts on a big uh, show. So as you see these, the way they're presented, form, feeling, tone, perception, uh, intentions, and consciousness, is from kind of in a way from gross to subtle. The sensations are readily available. Like now, the feeling in your shoulders. The fact uh, of the pleasantness and unpleasantness and neutrality is already a little bit more subtle to distinguish this in experience. Unless it's clearly unpleasant or pleasant, but even neutral gets very subtle. Yeah? And then perception, to remove this from the flow of ordinary experience of being alive, is, is not that easy to see that the mind recognizes name. Yeah? And if you were in, so inclined to, you could open your eyes and just move your eyes about the room and see that you don't have any, anything to do, that the perception happens by itself. Windows, walls, cushions, they all recognize. You don't have to think about this. This is a Zabuton. No. It just, uh, it's part of the experience. Yeah? But it's, uh, it's harder to uh, isolate, I would say. And intention might be even more uh, subtle to uh, experience. And in one way more subtle, why? Because that's one of the places where identification is really strong. It's really hard not to take this one personal. Okay, I'm not the body. I can agree to this. I can experience it. Sensations are changing all the time. time. How can I own this? Yeah. Pleasantness also, it happens to me, you know, it's, it's, it's known, but it's not mine. And the perception I can see, as you say, I look around and things are recognized. It just does that, it's not me. But I intend to look around, it's me who's looking around. You know, it's nobody else. So this is a kind of a little uh, hiding place for uh, identification. Even more subtle than this, consciousness. Okay, I might not, the, the intending might arise out of conditions. I might see this, that surprise, surprise, when I reach the end of the path, I have the, suddenly the intention to turn arises. I can understand that it's experienced, but it's not totally mine. It happens because the conditions are right. Hunger arises, so there is suddenly the intention to f get some food going here. Yeah? Okay, so this I begin to see. But the knowing quality, the knower, the observer, this is I. So that's how they are. They go from gross to subtle. So one way maybe uh, just to help uh, 
start to break down this notion that consciousness is, is I, me, this, the one who knows what's happening, is maybe to work with it in terms of the six, a different consciousness. So in this teaching, uh, it says that there are six kinds of consciousness. Eye consciousness, uh, ear consciousness, tongue consciousness, nose consciousness, uh, body consciousness, and then mind consciousness. And that they're, uh, they're separate from each other. And for example, uh, if you bring your attention now in your, uh, in your belly, the belly consciousness, we could say, was not there before, the, before there was the contact there, before it, it went there. There was no belly consciousness uh, before. Or now, if you uh, bring your attention to, uh, to the uh, light, the, the light in the room, even if your eyes are closed, there's some kind of light that comes through. So do you see that this awareness of light this consciousness of light arises at the very same moment as the light arises uh, in your experience. It's very concurrent. There cannot be uh, the consciousness of my voice speaking if my voice is not there. It appears exactly when the sound of my voice uh, hit your eardrum, that's when there is consciousness of that sound. And that's how consciousness uh, seemed to be like a magic trick because it makes it seem one. I go from feeling my feet to hearing to having a thought, but these are uh, separate uh, consciousnesses, millions of them every uh, blinking of the eye, during the time of the blinking of the eye. So what we have to do is to start seeing them, recognizing them, uh, if we want to work with this, this kind of division of reality. We could decide to divide in a more uh, easy way, Oh, too much trouble, five. I'll do two. Okay. Two would be, the division for two would be mentality, materiality. I'll look at my experience tonight and tomorrow in terms of uh, mental stuff and physical stuff. What is sensations and what is uh, in the world of thoughts, images? Uh, what is of... Um, physical nature and what is of a mental nature. That's one way to divide the experience. This other way is the five aggregates. You could decide to divide it in six. Uh, Joseph often talks about there's only six things happening. You're either thinking, uh, smelling, tasting, touching, seeing, hearing. That's another way to divide experience. You see that even just talking about it, it breaks the notion of self. Oh, a moment of hearing, followed by a moment of thinking, followed by a moment of, uh, of uh, tasting. And that uh, releases the identification. 
which might not be suffering right now, but will definitely lead to it at some point. So these fives are always constantly there, incessant, relentless, but different ones uh, are uh, predominant in our experience at different times. Sometimes we really uh, feel the four elements, let's say the hardness, softness. But sometimes it's not that that is predominant, it's the feeling tone, the pleasantness or displeasure that is predominant. Or sometimes it's the recognition that is, or perception that is predominant. I remember one time, uh, I was coming out of uh, the retreat center uh, the, uh, the, down there, and it was late at night, a summer night, and uh, I uh, was coming out on the back porch, and under the Hasta, I think, is the name of the flower that was there. Big leaf. Uh, I saw two eyes looking at me. And uh, it was this gigantic frog. I mean, gigantic. You have to open your eyes to see this. This frog was about this size, I would say. So at this time, what was predominant in my experience was perception, because it kept saying, frog, 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 but with a question mark, you know? Because I had seen frogs around maybe in the last few days. It was night, 11 o'clock at night. The moon was under the clouds. Suddenly, the clouds moved and the light came in and was revealed a little rabbit. So there was a misperception for a second. And that was very interesting because the mind was very, very quiet. And it came out and saw these two little dots of light, you know, the eyes. And it said, it recognized frog based on memory. This is what perception does. It kind of goes in, Googles, you know, two things separate by one, uh, you know, one inch glowing under, under leaf, you know, and then it Googles like, you feel lucky? It's a, it's a frog. And, but it, it didn't match the other uh, information about frog because there was never a frog that size in my experience. So it kept saying frog, 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 but it wouldn't completely compute. And suddenly the light revealed a rabbit and then who ease came in. You know, I was really in the world that fitted with my past experience. <laughs> so at that time, uh, perception was predominant in the experience. Yeah. So at different times, uh, different ones can be uh, predominant. So um, maybe I also I, I'd like to tell you just one way that I practice with this, my uh, five ag aggregate walk. Just one way to practice with this. So I'll, let's say I decide to go and do the loop, walk around. And uh, I'll divide my walk in successions of like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 seconds. It's up to you how you would want to use it if you would like to try this. But I just walk. And then I, I say, okay, I'm going to be aware just of uh, the physicality of this walk. So the pressure, the movements, uh, the friction, uh, 
sounds, whatever it is that is directly uh, uh, of the form aggregate. Then now switch. Oh, let's do a feeling tone. So just, ah, yeah, it's pleasant that this moves. It's been stuck all day, you know? And now it's kind of moving here in the hips and the lower back. This pleasantness to it. Uh, unpleasantness, on the, it's a little icy here. So it's un uncertain. There's unpleasantness with the uh, lowering of the feet, you know, balancing. And uh, car arrives, oops. Uh, unpleasantness due to the uncertainty of where I am, do they see me, etc. Then it passes, ah, release, pleasant, for a few uh, seconds or minutes if you want. Then the next one I go, uh, perception. So I walk and I just walk around and I see that this mind is not crazy. It's recognizing what's going on, you know. Walk, walking is happening, trees, neighbor, unknown neighbor, oh, f beautiful house, you know, there's this, things that are recognized, you know, squirrel or not, you know. And then, uh, surprise, what's the other one? Intention. So just, in ah, so there is an intention to move, intention to look, because there was a sound, intention to uh, look for a fine beauty in the landscape. So I'm just aware of this, intentions. Or other mental formations, that thinking is happening, yeah? considerations. And then I move to the next one. It's just a, a pure knowing of this, knowing of these four others, maybe. Just a knowing aspect of, uh, of experience. This is actually known. It is clearly known, these things. Light is known. So that's uh, one, uh, one way. Another way, quickly, would be um, to uh, find somewhere a notion of I or mine that comes with an experience. Locate this, and then just try to see in terms of the aggregates, what, where is the identification or appropriation? Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't think they should do this like that. This is my opinion. It's my opinion. Ah, there's identification with the mental formation. Yeah. Ah, my feet hurts this morning. Why is my feet hurting? Oh, there's identification. There's eyeing going on here. What is this? Oh, there's appropriation of a feeling tone or of a sensation. Okay. Just uh, like this. It can be with something. My, who took my cup? My cup. So just stop right there and say, oh, so what, what's going on here? Where is the appropriation in terms of the five aggregates? Ah, so there was materiality? Not even this body. There was appropriation of some hardness, roundness, Heightness, greenness, you know, that that happened. Yeah. This is very funny. Like, for example, when you have your uh, plate for lunch, somebody was to take your plate while there's food, and you're at, you would say, "Hey, my plate." But then you go wash it, you put it in the stack, and then somebody knocks you on the shoulder. They say, "Hey, your plate. Is it the?" third one down there that you put there five minutes, you're like, this is not my plate. 
this is a plate. But earlier it was my plate, but now it's not anymore. You see how interesting to just watch this. When does the appropriation start, you know? So you can play with this. The five aggregate is really good in daily activities. It's a really good place to, to see this, brushing the teeth. You know, there's the sensation. Try to, if you want to, play in dividing it. Sensation, there's the pleasantness. Is there something I can recognize in feeling tone? Is there something I can recognize in terms of uh, perception? Yeah, it's clearly known that right side is done and left side is being about to be done, you know, some, something like this, or the intention to brush, and then the knowing of that. Yeah. So uh, the Buddha asked the bhikkhus, hey guys, do you suffer Lament, lament? Are you distressed? Does it cause you pain when the villagers gather and take away these pieces of woods in the forest? No, we couldn't care less. These pieces of woods are not ours. Well, think the same of uh, your body, your feeling tones. Now I lost the page, it's number six. Where's my page? Yeah, think of the same about your body, feeling tone, consciousness, and all uh, other mental formation. They are not yours. If you think like this, you won't suffer. And so the idea is to work with uh, these aggregates is to loosen up the sense of self and maybe we end up with um, a sense of self that, we that instead of being rigid can become fluid. It means that I can pick it up when it's needed. I will meet you there at that time. There's an I going on, but it's a wholesome, sane one, makes the world work. And then I can drop it as soon as uh, the usefulness of it is done, so that when there is anger inside, it's not like my anger, I'm angry, I've always been angry, or I'm so, I have a lack of confidence, I always had a lack of confidence. No, there is this being present here, so much less sticky to not own stuff. So now you will do as you see fit. Thank you for your attention. And uh, I suddenly have the idea that we could uh, do the reflection on sharing of blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.